Son, these evil people await you in the world. There are evil, rotten, no good people waiting to gobble you up in the world. Well, please open your Bible, please, to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. You should have the notes. It's page 15. There's a link. Uh, GBConline.ca. Is that where the link is? Oh, it's in the description under the, the window they're watching right now. Okay, there's a link and you'll find the notes there. You could print them out. If you don't have a printer, that's all right. You could just handwrite them. It works just as well. And we're very thankful for um, the ability to print in our homes. Printers are so cheap now. If you got a computer, you should have a printer. Um, I'd like to make two little announcements before we get into the notes tonight. Uh, number one is I've put together two special podcasts and they're going to be aired tomorrow morning at six and Friday morning at six, but you could watch them anytime during the day. And it has to do with husbands and wives. So it's a, a little bit of a departure from what we're, we're normally used to. And so I've put these out. Um, if you know of husbands and wives, then you may want to bring this to their attention, send them the link, ask them to tune in. And I trust it'll be a blessing. By the way, uh, stick around, please, for the announcement time afterwards when we're all done. Pastor Deviant is going to come up. He's going to have some announcements. And he's going to tell you about a little survey that we're wanting to send you. That's um, uh, tonight after, uh, after the service. Is that right, Pastor Deviant? After the service. So he's going to explain this to you. And so I want to encourage you to hang around. Don't shut things off. You know, when the, the, the lesson is over, keep, keep your live stream open because he's going to explain a little survey and we need your help. We wouldn't do it if we didn't need your help, but we need your help. So please stay tuned for that. Would you please? Uh, also, my second announcement has to do with, this Sunday morning, we've been working for some time now on a new Sunday morning church service introduction. And we think we have it already. So we want to encourage you and invite you to tune in at 11 sharp. In fact, tune in a couple minutes before so you don't miss it because it's only about 20 seconds long or 25 seconds. It's not very long. It goes quick. And so we want to uh, ask you please to tune in and to uh, watch that right at 11, 11 in the morning. All right. Well, well, if you have your Bible at Proverbs 30 and you have your notes ready, your note page, let's begin with a word of prayer. Our loving heavenly father, we thank you so very much for all of your kindness and goodness to us. You are indeed wonderful, wonderful. We thank you for our, trip through the book of Proverbs and we've sure learned a lot and we thank you for it. 
Our father, we are so indebted to you. We love you so much. Now we ask you please to open the eyes of our understanding and help us and to uh, show us what Proverbs uh, is teaching us tonight. Lord, we know this is not the end of the study of Proverbs. This is just the beginning. We've been given the tools and the, the map, the instructions here on how to walk through Proverbs over and over, finding new things. So lead and guide. And once again, Father, we ask that you would increase the faith of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, well. With your uh, notes open, please, at um, page number 15, we want to uh, summarize the book of Proverbs, and we're in part two of our summary. Um, Pastor Devian, the, uh, the notes on page 15, do we have those at all that we could just kind of show folks? Can that, that be put up? Can you do that, please? Yeah, I just want you to, uh, to see this just to make sure that we're all on the same page. So uh, he's going to uh, look that up and he's going to signal me when it's ready. Would you please? And so we're going to put that up. We just want to make sure that we're all on the same page together. Now, last week we started to wrap up our series on wisdom, uh, the seven pillars of wisdom and the book of Proverbs. And we did so by uh, dealing with um, six now, that's the, the word that goes in your little blank there. Six contrasting truths. Six contrasting truths that are taught throughout chapter 10. We labored on chapter 10. And we went through it and we found the righteous and the wicked, the wise and the foolish. These are the contrasting truths. And we found six of them. As we went through and we, we gave you the, <clears throat> the scriptures, the verses where you find them. Are we ready? All right, put that up. Let's take a look at that now. The notes for this evening, shall we? Let's take a look. All right. That looks to be about right. There we go. That's better. Okay. You, that's what you should have. All right. Thanks very much. You can put that away. Very good. Thank you kindly. So we're uh, at the top of the page. First line, it says wisdom in the book of Proverbs by showing six contrasting truths that are taught throughout chapter 10. This pattern of study can be used throughout sections two and three, section two and section three that encompasses chapters 10 to 29. Last week, we gave you sort of a breakdown of the book of Proverbs in four sections. And so section one deals one chapters one to nine, and it sort of sets the stage for us. It builds the house of wisdom. It uh, builds the seven pillars and there's a lot we learn. And because of that foundation, now we can go through the book of Proverbs and better understand it. And so chapters um, 10 to 29 comprise section two and section three. Now in this lesson, we'll start to wrap up section four. That's what goes in your blank by looking at Proverbs chapter 30, Proverbs chapter 30. There are many ideas 
about who the author is. There's a lot of speculation because that name, uh, the words of Agur or Agur, who is this person? And there's lots of speculation as to who this could be. Uh, as well as the two people he wrote to. Here they are, Ithiel and Eucal. And so Agur is writing to Ithiel and Eucal. Now it may have been an actual unknown person, an unknown teacher by the name of Agur. That may be who it is. However, in my humble opinion, it's probably written by Solomon. And he wrote it to his son. Now, here's why I believe that. All four names given here are totally unknown people. It's not like we've got some other verse we can turn to. We wonder who Solomon is. Well, we can go back and we can find him several places in scripture. Find that he's the son of, of King David. But these men here... We don't know who they are. Uh, no one uh, else has ever named their child by one of these names with one exception. I put it in brackets. There's another Ithiel, totally different person mentioned in Nehemiah 11 and verse seven. That person has nothing to do with this. And so these four names are real mysteries. Now the writer is called Agur. And that name means gathered, G-A-T-H-E-R-E-D, gathered. And Solomon certainly gathered wisdom and knowledge. That's what he was known for. It says here that he's the son of Jackie or Jakey. That name means blameless, blameless. Now, King David wasn't, Absolutely blameless, but which man is? How many can say I've never sinned? Not one of us, for all have sinned. But King's, King David's name, the name David means beloved. And King David is known as a man after God's own heart. And that's in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. David was a very special man. And quite likely... In the eyes of his son, Solomon, Solomon just thought he was blameless. And so that could be what Solomon did. Now, the chapter was written to Ithiel, and the name means God with me. That's what Ithiel means. God, capital G, God with me. And that could easily refer to Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Spelled R-E-H-O-B-O-A-M, Rehoboam. Because God was with Rehoboam. And then he says, and Eucal. The name Eucal means the mighty one. The mighty one. And this also could refer to Solomon's son. Because he was the, the next one in line for the throne. Israel had reached its absolute peak under Solomon. And Rehoboam was about to walk right into it. And so he could have been the one spoken of. Now, here's something I find very interesting on the note. Both these names, Ithiel and Eucal, 
are addressed as if they were a single person. And you'll see that in verses four, six, 10 and 32. Again, you'll see it in verses four, six, 10 and 32. You see at the bottom of verse four, what is his name? And what is his son's name? If thou that's singular, if thou canst tell, look at verse number six, add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. And so if Agur is teaching to these two students, these two students seem to be one student. It's not unusual in Hebrew literature to do this sort of thing where the author assumes another name and the recipients uh, are given another name in the new Testament. You've got third John at the end of the, the new Testament before revelation. And there's John writing uh, unto the, uh, the elect lady and many people, many good uh, Bible scholars believe that he's writing to, Oh, pardon me. It would be the second. There we are. Second epistle of John, the elder. That's a reference to John unto the elect lady. And we believe that he's talking about a church, a real church. And so he doesn't fill the name in there, but that gives you sort of an idea. So um, the next line down here around the middle of your page, the entire chapter is called a prophecy. You see in verse one, the words of Agur, the son of Jakey, even the prophecy, it's not called uh, Proverbs. The, whereas in earlier chapters, especially one to nine, it's called Proverbs. Here it's called a prophecy, a prophecy, meaning a message put forth a message put forth. This is one complete message. It's one long message and it appears to be preparing, preparing a young person for, for life. It appears to be preparing a young person for life in the real world and also for leadership, leadership. Now, what I'd like to do with you now is walk through this whole chapter. And I want to give for you sort of a, a thumbnail outline. Now, when we're done, uh, we're by no means absolutely completely done because you can go back and reread chapter 30 and reread chapter 30 and reread chapter 30. I've done that dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And this is a synopsis of what I believe God is teaching us here. And so let's begin, shall we? Chapter 30, verse one, the words of Agur, the son of Jakey, even the prophecy on uh, the, the man spake unto Ithiel, even unto Ithiel and Eucal. And so we have the teacher, to his two students. Again, those two students may be one student and that teacher may be Solomon and that one student may be his son, Rehoboam. We know that at the beginning of Proverbs, Solomon is definitely writing to his son 
Again and again, he says, my son, my son, my son. We come to verse two and three. Surely I am more brutish than any man and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy. Now, some people would say right there, whoa, it couldn't be Solomon because look how stupid this person is. Well, my dear friend, if this person is so stupid, how did he end up writing the holy word of God? How'd that happen? How to get in the Bible if he's that stupid. I don't think he's that stupid at all. I think instead what he's doing is he's putting himself down. And so verses two to three, the teaching is be humble. Be humble. Some people walk around, they brag about how much they know and how many degrees after their name. Not this guy whom I think is Solomon. Um, Truth is, You don't know it all. You don't know it all. You know, even if you, you have degrees after your name, you still don't know it all. Even if you're the world's smartest man or woman, you still don't know it all. So be humble. That's the way to live. That's good preparation. Don't you think for some of you that have got a few years under your belt, a few miles under your tires, For some of you, you know that some of the new upcoming generation is stuffed full of themselves, full of pride. And they got no fear. They think they got the world by the tail. They think they know it all. And after a number of years, you have a little more wisdom, you know, and you're shaking your head. They don't know it all. They're in for a surprise. There's a few more a few more things about life that they don't know yet. And so that's good teaching. I think right there, boy, there's a good sermon right there is be humble because you don't know it all. All right. Look at verses four to six. What else is the teacher teaching his student who hath ascended up into heaven or descended who hath gathered the wind in his fists, who hath bound the waters in a garment who hath established all the ends of the earth. What is his name? And what is his son's name? If thou canst tell, well, we say, well, we know that don't we, we know the answers to that. Yeah, it's God. And we know God's son is Jesus. So we know that. Yeah. How did you know that? Did you read it in a comic book? Did you get a vision in the night? How did you know that, that it was God who did those things and his son's name is Jesus? How did you know that? Here's how look at verse five. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Oh, and watch this. Watch out. Watch this. Add thou not unto his words lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. And so verses four to six, tell us to study, study the word of God, study the Bible, study God's word, make that your, your life passion is to love his word and to love him through his word. Psalm 119, I believe was written by King David, Solomon's daddy. And it is absolutely a masterpiece. 22 sections of eight verses each. And you'll see in there that King David writing says how he, 
He trembles before the word of God, how he loves the word of God. He fears the word of God. He is so excited by the word of God. He loves the word of God more than silver and gold. Over and over, you'll read about his, his thoughts and feelings toward the Bible. I think that Solomon picked something up there from his dad. And I think that that is probably the best way for uh, young people, children and young people to learn to value the word of God is by watching their dad and their mom, how their dad and mom value the word of God. But here's the teacher to his student first telling them, be humble. You don't know it all. Number two, telling them to study God's word. Now look at verse seven. Two things have I required of thee. Here is the, the teacher now talking to God. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Ooh. You know, today everyone's after the riches. They want more money, more salaries. They want bigger, fatter bank accounts. That's what everyone wants here. The teaching is give me neither poverty nor riches. Lord, don't give it to me. I don't want riches. I don't want poverty, but I don't want riches. Give it to someone else. Spread the wealth. Feed me with food convenient for me. Why? Here's why. Verse nine, lest I be full and deny thee. And folks, that's what's happening today. That's exactly what's happening today throughout our Western hemisphere with big fat bank accounts and lots of money. And don't tell me the money's not there. The money is there. People are still buying multi-million dollar houses. They're still buying expensive cars. They're still buying toys. They're, they're, they're buying like there's no tomorrow. The money's out there. Lest I be full and deny thee. And that's what happens. There's so many people that are denying God and the power thereof. You know, these days amongst in Christianity, let's say that Christianity is quite a confusing mess these days, but there's a, a big emphasis on entertainment, entertainment tonight. That's what a lot of so-called Christians are after. They want their, their hymns in an entertaining way. And they want their missions in an entertaining way. That's why they want to go to exotic places and build out houses and paint classrooms and then come back and talk about their missions trip. They want their preaching in an entertainment kind of way. Paul was very specific when he said that in the end times, men shall be lovers of them own, own selves. And then he says, heaping to themselves, teachers having itching ears Ooh, there are some teachers that know how to tickle the ears and know how to, to uh, feed candy. We'll call it ear candy. How about that? Ear candy. The way they speak and the things they say. I've been studying the sermons of Joel Olstein lately, and he's one of the best that I've ever seen at tickling people's ears. And you look at a number of his sermons and they're all the same. They're all the same. The scriptures are different. The stories are different, but he's saying all the same. He's all the same, all the same. And he's telling you that your big day is coming. 
hang in there. Don't give up. Your big day is coming and it's going to come in a big way. Your big day over and over. He does this and it's in his writings as well. He's the best I've ever seen at it, but he's not preaching the whole counsel of God. Is he? But I'm not here to talk about Joel Olstein. Do you know Jesus even died for Joel Olstein? Did you know that? Well, let's keep that in mind. I'm saying this in verse nine, lest I be full and deny thee. That's why you don't want to win the lotto. You don't want to get some big multi, you know, giga million inheritance. Oh, it'll never happen to me. Never happen to me. I'll never deny God. Famous last words, my friend, it'll happen to you. The devil will make sure it happens to you. Your flesh will make sure it happens to you. And the world will make sure it happens to you. And oh, you'll be a target for every kook. They'll be after your money. You won't be safe. You'll have no peace. Even in your home, you'll have turmoil. So many rich people experience that. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? That's with the riches. What about the poverty? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. You hear it everywhere, don't you? They take our Lord's name in vain, don't they? They don't even have to be poor and steal. They still take our Lord's name in vain, don't they? That's the world we live in, folks. And so here, verses 7 to 9, live a life of moderation. A life of moderation. Verse number 10. He gives us a warning. Accuse not a servant unto his master lest he curse thee and thou there's that singular again, and thou be found guilty. And so obviously if you're guilty, you you've told a lie. You've accused a servant to his master. So why would someone do that? Normally the reason they do it is to get him in trouble to make themselves look good. And so verse 10 here, the dangers of, of lying, the dangers of lying in order to advance yourself to get ahead the dangers of lying in order to advance yourself. It sort of ties in a little bit with, with the riches trying to get the riches. Doesn't it look at verse 11. Now we have another section. There is a generation that curseth their father. Oh boy, this is not good. And doth not bless their mother. There's no honor there. Is there? Verse 12, there is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There's no purity. There's no honor. There's no purity. Verse 13, there is a generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There's no humility. Verse number 14, there is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. There's no compassion, no compassion. What is Solomon teaching his son here? He's saying, son, these evil people await you in the world. There are evil, rotten, no good people waiting to gobble you up in the world. I think there's a lot of young people don't realize that. And they get out of high school or get out of college or something. They get into the world and they get gobbled up. 
and, and they get taken advantage of. And I've been also reading about scams. Oh my, the scams that are going on. Unbelievable. And people are, are getting taken. They're gullible. They don't realize that behind that, you know, golden handshake, you know, is another knife with a dagger in it ready to, to stick them. And so this is good training for life. Don't you think? I think this is excellent preparation for life about be humble. You don't know it all. Study God's word, live a life of moderation. Beware the dangers of lying in order to get yourself ahead. And son, beware of these evil people that are waiting for you in the world. And verse 15. Now look, he says, the horse leech hath two daughters. Now the horse leech, what is a horse leech? You've heard of a horse fly. That's a fly that's big. And these things bite and suck your blood. And there's, they're in Canada. Woo. They bite you and you know it. Boy, there is a, a hole in you. These horse flies are big. Well, a horse leech, usually leeches are small. This one is 12 inches long and it sucks a lot of blood. The horse leech hath two daughters crying, give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not it is enough. Here they are. The grave, the grave is always looking for more bodies, you know, the barren womb, no kids, no kids, no kids, always looking for kids. The barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water. is always looking to drink in more water and the fire that saith not isn't enough. It'll just keep burning and burning and burning. So what's Solomon saying to his son? He's saying that some things in life, some things and some people and people, some things and people in life can never be satisfied. You can never satisfy them. No matter what you do, you give them one. They want two. you give them two. They want four. We say in English, give them an inch. They take a foot You give them a discount. They want more discount. And there are some people that no matter what you do, they are never satisfied. Some kids are like that, right? Some children, you, you just keep giving them. You, you're trying to satisfy them. They're never happy. They want more and more. Well, here we have it. That's good preparation for life. Now we move to verse 17 and we're given another warning. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. Boy, that sounds kind of grisly, doesn't it? You know, the eye, here's the raven going to pick it out. What's happening here? Well, I'm told that when something dies, an animal dies out in the wilderness, the ravens come, of course, and the young eagles, eagles are a member of the vulture family. So the eagles are there. The vultures are there, right? They're in there for a meal, but what they do is they'll pick at the eye. And if the animal moves, or if it happens to be a human animal, a person, if the person moves, then they won't eat it. They won't attack yet, but they pick it and the animal doesn't move. They know it's dead. 
because the eye is so sensitive, right? You know, you even get one little eyelash in your eyeball and wow, you're just blinking and watering and rubbing. And it's so very sensitive, your eye. Look at it again. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother. Well, you can write this down. The dangers of dishonoring your parents. The dangers of dishonoring your parents. And just because you're growing up or maybe your parents have passed away, you're not exempt. You're not allowed to dishonor your parents. Even if they're passed away, you need to honor your mother and your father. Even if they're dead all your life, you need to honor your your parents and you do it by faith. And God promises to bless you. That's the promise of God. It's called the first commandment with promise. Now we get into verse 18. There be three things which are too wonderful for me. Yea, four, which I know not the way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, the way of a man with a maid. Verse 20, such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I have done no wickedness. Because there's no evidence there. It's like after the serpent on the rock is gone, there's nothing, the ship through the sea, there's no, you know, ship print. It's like you put your foot in the ocean, take it out. There's, there's no footprint in the, uh, in the ocean. So here's the adulterous woman. She does her thing, you know, her trick is gone. Uh, he's gone. And there she is, says, oh, I've done nothing wrong. By the way, verse 20 here with the adulterous woman, sort of look back again at verse 12. There's a generation that's not pure, not washed from their own filthiness. They kind of tie together those two. And so what we're learning here from Solomon is that there are some things in life that you will never understand. There are some things in life that you will never understand. You know, some people theologically, they look at the sovereign grace of God and what they understand as the election. And they look at the the human will of man and the freedom uh, that God has given him, the, the will and the election, and they can't reconcile them. You know what? That's okay. I think it was Martin Luther who decided he was going to sit down one day and figure out the Trinity. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, three separate beings all in one. And after a long, 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 long time, he finally stood up and said three in one who can understand it. I think that's probably one of the things you'll not understand in this life. I'm not even sure we're going to understand it in eternity how they can be three separate and yet at the same time, one God. And yet that's what God has told us in the Bible. So just face it. There's going to be some things you're not going to understand. If you ask me, pastor, do you understand everything there is in the Bible? I'd have to say, no, there are still some things I don't understand. So that's good preparation for life. Um, Let's move on quickly. Verse 21 
for three things. The earth is disquieted and for four, which it cannot bear. Here they are for a servant when he reigneth for a, and a fool when he's filled with meat for an odious. That means a hateful odious is a hateful woman when she is married and an handmaid that is heir to her mistress. So here's the hired handmaid and she's now being made an heir in the will. She knows she's going to cash in and get a whole bunch. And what Solomon is teaching us here is that some people when given power, can become overbearing. Some people that are given power can become overbearing. Maybe you're in school and you've got an overbearing teacher. Maybe you work at a company and your boss is just overbearing. They've been given power and it's gone to their head. Hmm? Where's the humility there? But yet this is real life and you need to be prepared for it. Look at verse 24. There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies, those are like little rabbits. They're similar to rabbits. They kind of live amongst the rocks. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet go they forth all of them by bands. It's true. They got no leader. And yet they all seem to know at the same time, they rise up in swarms of millions and off they go. The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in King's palaces. And she's in my house too. Ever find a spider in your house? Yeah. I got a great sermon on these four little critters that I'm not going to preach tonight. So don't worry. But here in these verses, 24 to 28, Learn from the wisdom of others. Learn from the wisdom of others. Now you don't want to be learning worldly wisdom. Okay. We talked about that. Didn't we? You don't want to be learning worldly wisdom. You want to learn God's wisdom. And so if uh, Adolf Hitler and if um, Al Capone are going to sit you down and teach you about life, you stand up and say, No, thank you, gentlemen. I want something better. And you go and sit down with the Lord Jesus and with the word of God, sit down with Moses, Abraham, Ezekiel, Daniel, sit down with them and learn wisdom, real wisdom. So learn wisdom. Verse 29 to 31. There be three things which go well. Yea, four are comely in going a lion, which is strongest among beasts and turneth not away for any. A greyhound, a greyhound is a hunting dog, a greyhound and he goat, a he goat. It's a male goat. It's the alpha male goat. It's the one in charge. A he goat also and a king. He's the one in charge also against whom there is no rising up. So essentially you got four leaders. And the lesson is some people handle power. Well, some people are good at handling power. It doesn't go to their head. They don't become a know-it-all. They don't become overbearing. They handle power. Well, so respect them, respect them. A lot of people today, and I'm sorry to say this, but even a lot of Christian people are not showing the proper respect to our government leaders. They're rebelling. They're saying wicked things about them. They are not praying for them. 
praying that God would give them wisdom, praying that God would protect them, praying God would guide their decisions, praying for their salvation. They're doing none of that, but they're quick to rise and point fingers and call names. That is anti-biblical. And we need to be careful of that folks. We do lest we get into trouble with the Lord. Finally, we come to verse 32 and 33, and it's kind of a fitting close to this lesson on life that Solomon's giving to Rehoboam or Agur is giving to Ithiel and Eucal. Verse 32, if thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, evil is a purpose tearing down. That's what it is. Purpose tearing down. It's the opposite of good, which is a purposeful building up. So if thou hast thought evil, lay thine hand upon thy mouth. The idea of that expression is like the silence of repentance. You need to gasp and lay your hand upon your mouth. There needs to be a repentance there. Surely the churning of milk bringeth forth butter. Well, duh. Yes, of course. And the wringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. Uh, grizzly, but yes, true. You get your nose twisted. It's going to bleed. Well, guess what? So the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife. Not good for the child of God. And so foolish living will bring forth strife. Foolish living will bring forth strife, strife in the home, strife in the workplace, strife out in the street, strife at school, even strife in the church. Foolish living will bring forth strife. Now we finish off here knowing what we know about Proverbs, especially chapters one to nine chapters one to nine. It's easy to see why Solomon may have been the author of chapter number 30 chapter number 30. And the last sentence The next lesson, we shall summarize chapter 31. We will summarize chapter 31 in our next lesson. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.